the Free Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jared Mintz and Joseph Nardone. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording today. It is Monday, January 16th. It is Martin Luther King Day. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz. Joining me today and every other day is Joseph Nardone. Joe, how was your weekend? The weekend was fantastic. Probably, Jared, the best weekend ever. You could ask anybody about my weekend, and they will tell you. You know what they'll tell you, Jared? Oh, they tell me. It was the best weekend ever. Also, I'm sending my kids to Frozen Disney on Ice today. Wow, good dad. Yeah, right? It was kind of hard to do it, though, because I did it online, and you know the difficulties, because my hands are huge. <laughs> are you really sending your kids to Frozen online, or was that just your way of making No, they're, they're really they're getting ready right now. Did I just say frozen online instead of frozen on ice? You're sending your kids to an interactive internet program to watch Frozen? No, they're they're really gone. They're actually getting ready now with their mommy. Wow, that's exciting. Good things. Uh, it doesn't feel right to say this that it's Martin Luther King Day and then go into impersonating the person we were just impersonating. So I would like to, to give a shout out to, to today being a significant day in our country's history. Definitely a good day to reflect on what you want your country and your community to be like and Maybe how you could be more active in making that happen, just trying to right the, the ship that we were we were on just a few seconds ago. But I digress. We have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, the AFC and NFC championship games are set, so we're ready to, to see our Super Bowl preview-ish. Uh, we got some more NBA stuff. We're going to be talking about the Knicks again, but very briefly later. And uh, we just we have a fun show coming up. So, Joe, why don't we get started today with some bad tweets? Let's do it. Hit the music, Mario. bad tweets today with somebody who is probably in the bad tweets hall of fame he might lead the league in bad tweets uh and that is one at real skip bayless who tweeted last night a little too soon congratulations to dak prescott for again outplaying aaron Rodgers, again holding off romo and again performing like a clutch mvp that's what that's what dak prescott did last night uh in the event that you're unaware I mean, he he did. He played well. He he wasn't the reason they lost. <laughs> right, right. Dak did his part to do that. It's not his fault that the Packers were able to score again, getting the ball back with like forty seconds left in the game. That's it's, not Dak's fault, but you know. the Aaron Rodgers part that makes this bad was Aaron Rodgers threw probably the greatest football pass I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he threw quite a few of them last. But that night. that catch and pass. I mean, the catch was probably better than the pass, considering how he had. Who was it? Cook. Yeah. He had, like, about 0.001 inches to work with. Um, I was convinced until, like, the very last replay, it still wasn't a catch. He Unbelievable. Had, he had yeah. zero bobble, right? He's like, there's a natural bobble when you touch a football. There was none of that. And then he just tippy-tapped his toes, and he's out of bounds. Like, it, literally, he had the ball for, like, no seconds, but was able to keep his feet in bounds. It was amazing. It was unreal. And the, the closest referee, actually, or the closest judge, line judge, ruled an incomplete catch. They said he he wasn't in bounds. And then the line judge further down the field got it right and said, no, he did make that catch. So they, they looked at it for a little bit. And it, it was just, it's unbelievable. So the Packers get the ball back with 35 seconds left after uh, Dallas ties the game at 31, which was incredible on its own to see Dallas come back to tie the game because they didn't have a whole lot of time either. Uh, we You know, just amazing field goals down the stretch there. Green Bay gets the ball back with 35 seconds left. 
They get a 17-yard play from Ty Montgomery, which it looks like, all right, we're moving, we're moving. Then Rodgers takes a 10-yard sack, calls a timeout. There's 18 seconds left in this game, and he gets that ball down the field to Jared Cook. It was just unbelievable. Um, that was a 36-yard play, and it was just Aaron Rodgers was insane last night, at, out of control. Do you, Joe, you want to read that other bad tweet we have today? Absolutely. This one is from a colleague, actually, Trenton Jocks. Crazy thing with Rodgers is he's never even had – thank you for sharing that. Is He's never even had dominant wide receiver tight end or a great coach. Brady's great, but also had Belichick, Peak Moss, Peak Rock. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you do that. He had Peak Moss if maybe he was in his prime peak, whatever, for like a year and a half or so. But sure, whatever whatever you could do to, to take Aaron Rodgers down a peg. I mean, I guess – it's kind of relevant right now with Jordy Nelson out and Devontae Adams getting hurt down the stretch of that game. But I think it's unfair, very unfair, to say Mike McCarthy isn't a great coach. I mean, the Packers have been ridiculous every year he's been there. And whether you want to put that on Rodgers or McCarthy or whoever, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Joe, why do you hate that treat? Uh, for a billion reasons. One, <laughs> um, I like a lot of reasons. All right, so like he is Pete Gronk, right? But he's also not Pete Brady anymore. So he's gotten Gronk when he's 9,000 years old. For Tom Brady, he also played the majority of his career with like David Givens and Troy Deion Brown. Branch. Yeah, like those were his primary weapons. So he wasn't exactly playing with, you know, house money. Um, the thing with Rodgers is, I don't know if Mike McCarthy is a good coach or not. I don't. Um, Rodgers used to have really good skill guys. I mean, and I think it's okay. I don't like the idea of. I forget who makes this point, but sometimes like there's some quarterbacks you don't know if the receiver makes them. Or if the quarterback quarterback makes them like with AJ Dalton, we're all pretty sure AJ Green makes him a better quarterback than he really is, right? Right. That we know that's not the case with Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. So I don't even know why this is a thing. Like we we know they're both. <clears throat> Tom Brady's done it with like me and you at wideout. I mean, literally, he has white wide receivers. Think <laughs> about it. Um, and Aaron Rodgers this year, like you know, I've been down on the receivers this year, um, and I think he props them up into two guys. They're they're not really are like better than they are. Right. I mean, there, I saw an interesting stat yesterday. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and Jared Cook had a combined 32 drops in 2015. They've combined for 12 and 18 games this season. So, I mean, th- those guys have been playing really well. Jordy Nelson's obviously a Pro Bowl level player. Randall Cobb is sort of in that mix or was in that mix for a number of years. I mean, going back, he, he had Donald Driver. He, he's had some weapons. Obviously, we all yeah, think Greg Jennings. Yeah, Greg, Greg Jennings put up a number of good years with them. I mean, to, to say he has nothing isn't exactly fair. I think you can make the point that Aaron Rodgers is maybe the best quarterback in football without saying he's doing this throwing to the Rams receivers or whoever the worst receiving core in football is. But to, to kind of go about it like a Brady has had great weapons when Brady won three Super Bowls with garbage wide receivers isn't exactly fair. It doesn't really do the job of getting the point across. I mean... It's just like it's. we got so hyperbolic last night watching these games. Like, all of a sudden, everybody's blaming Dak Prescott, too, because the Cowboys didn't win, even though they put up 31 points and couldn't get a stop with 35 seconds left in the game. Like, I saw Cowboys fans saying it's unbelievable that the Cowboys treated last night like a preseason game, playing their second-best quarterback. Like, what more did you want Dak to do last night? He was phenomenal. He was unbelievable. It's really unfair, and... We we just we get so extreme when teams lose. I just I do not get it. The problem with the the 
like one, the, there was instances of Green Bay getting tons of pressure on the quarterback, which Dak was able to navigate out of, which Tony Romo wouldn't have been able to. And that's not a knock against Tony Romo. He's just not capable of doing that anymore. So he would have got crushed. Two, Dak was legit awesome. Like, I know he started the game off pretty poorly, but by the time the second half hit, he was, like, awesome. He was legit awesome. Like, you should actually leave that game as a Dallas fan. Yeah, you lost. It's sad and blah, blah, blah. You should feel super pumped about your future. Yeah, how do you not? I mean, he completed 24-38 for 302, three touchdowns. He had that one bad pick, but he was great. And I got to say that the Dallas offense, like, they, they did their job. They were great in the second half, um, well, especially in the fourth. But it was confusing that they weren't running the ball more early on. I mean, I know they got down big early, so they, they kind of felt like they needed to throw. But it was just it was a weird game that they, they weren't playing to their strengths necessarily for the whole game. But still, D- Dak was amazing. You know, D- Dak was uplifting. He he played amazing. I can't imagine Tony Romo would have been much better even than, than well, Dak was, no matter what happened yesterday. Two passes stuck and stood out to me to Dak. I'm not, I'm not saying Tony Romo couldn't have made them. I'm just saying this sh- like should dispel any Dak Prescott ruin them. That three-yard little pass to Des Bryant where he put it where Des literally only Des catch the ball. And the other one, when they're going for the field goal, when he threw the ball across his body, he his body's open, like spread open wide, like width-wise towards the down of the field. And that gets them like 15 or 16 yards. There was also that third down play where he threw it to Jason Witten. I think it was, I know they didn't get a touchdown out of the deal, but it was third and 14. And he hit Jason Witten. And I mean, he was phenomenal last night. Stop with that nonsense, bad Twitter. Yeah, it was just, it's one of those nights where there really just isn't anything you could do to, to stop Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he was just surgical. He was phenomenal. And it reminds you how good this guy is. And, you know, here we were, however many weeks ago, saying, this team is four and six. Is it too little, too late for them? He says, relax, we're going to go on a run and win out. And and here we are. They're heading into the NFC Championship game in, you know, not not to take anything away from the Falcons or what I'm about to say, but... This is a winnable game for Green Bay. I mean, they got past Dallas. We said it on the show Friday. You know, the winner of this game might be your Super Bowl favorite. And Green Green Bay is just, they're, they're ridiculous with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. There's nothing else you can say. It doesn't matter who he has out there. You know, to, to Trenton's point, it doesn't matter who he has out there. You have to be confident in, in Aaron Rodgers because he's just that good. Right. We said it on Friday's show when we broke down the game that Dallas is better in every area. But the one area that Green Bay is better in is quarterback, and that quarterback's so good that it gives Green Bay a shot to win a game. And I'm glad you touched on that other point. Um, yeah, this felt like the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, a whole lot more than the other NFC playoff game we got treated to, I guess, this weekend, where Atlanta just kicked the crap out of Seattle. That wasn't even a game. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's because C.J. Procise didn't play. Obviously, we've known this. Yeah. We've known they said no chance without C.J. Procise, but in all seriousness, I mean, Matt Ryan was outrageous i i don't want to start talking about mvp right now but like i kind of hope matt ryan wins mvp this season he was really great all year and i mean they just it's not like this is a a lifetime achievement type award matt ryan's never really been in this conversation sure there were some years where you could make the the argument that like he's a top five quarterback this year though it all kind of came together for him he's got good weapons on offense they stopped forcing the ball to julio it just it worked out really well for them I'm pretty pumped for that NFC Championship game, but but I guess we'll get to that shortly. Was there anything else that really stood out to you in, in the other playoff games this weekend? No. <laughs> Good. I, I didn't think so either. I The one thing I will say, it was interesting that Tom Brady was a little flustered in that game against Houston. I mean, obviously the final score isn't indicative of it, 
But Brady threw two picks all season. He throws two interceptions in that game. They got pretty decent pressure on him. But again, you know, it was just one of these games where Houston's got nothing on offense and you can't stop. You can't hang with the Patriots. They just, they run too many plays or they're too fast paced for you. And they, they eventually wore out the Texans. Uh, nothing really stood out to me last night in that Chiefs Steelers game. Bit of a grinder. Uh, you know, I guess, I guess my real takeaway from that is Le'Veon Bell is ridiculous. And I hope he can do to the Patriots what he's been doing to other teams so far in the playoffs. See, I don't hope. I don't root for teams. I'm an objective observer. <laughs> well, also, also it is worth noting Houston's defense is legit. So them putting pressure on Brady isn't terribly surprising. No, it, it wasn't surprising. It was just more surprising, you know, that, that Brady had probably his worst game, you know, since he came back from his suspension. I, I don't even think it's probable. I think he definitely had his worst game since he came back from suspension. And what do you think um, it means? I think it means nothing. I mean, it's not like he's scared moving forward. I think maybe, if anything, I mean, like you said, Houston's got a really good defense, so it's not like a, the Steelers could be like, oh, so all you have to do is get pressure on Tom Brady and maybe you're in the game. I mean, obviously, that that's key to them. And any team that's beaten the Patriots in big games over the past few years has done it by getting pressure on Brady and making him uncomfortable in the pocket. I don't know that the Steelers are going to be able to do that. I mean, I think their defense are pretty solid against Kansas City yesterday, but we were all kind of waiting for the bubble to burst on the Chiefs and for them to to lack that big play coming out of nowhere. Yesterday, they just the offense wasn't really able to get anything going. They did a decent job keeping Roethlisberger in check. Uh, it was one of his less explosive games. That could also have been you know something going on with the field and the weather. They did have an ice storm earlier in the day, but it didn't affect their run game. So, I mean, I just... Looking at this AFC Championship game, I, I think that the Patriots should still be favored, like heavy favorites. I, I don't think that Brady having a bad game yesterday means anything moving forward. Fair enough, young Batman. That's how you feel, I know. Real quickly, let, let's just take a look at these these championship games that we have coming up next weekend. Both of them are actually rematches of regular season games that we had during the season. Strangely enough, uh, these teams all met earlier this season in consecutive weeks as the Patriots handed the Steelers a 27-16 to loss week 7, and the Falcons edged out the Packers 33-32 to week 8. I remember after that game wondering if the Packers were going to be good this season because at the time, I was convinced the Falcons stunk. Clearly they don't. Fast forward, we're heading into championship weekend, and these are the four teams we have left. Are you excited for these games, even though you're an objective observer, Joe? No. You're not excited? I told you. I I thought I was going to be amped for the, like, I told you on Friday, I was kind of over the NFL, but I thought I'd be excited for the conference championship games. And, uh, no, man, I I just lost it. I I guess we'll try again at the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I guess so. I mean, I I don't totally disagree with you. Like, you know, these aren't necessarily the marquee teams or whatever. I have nothing to do with it. I'm not even trying to be disrespectful. I'm just, I'm I'm fatigued. I'm just football fatigued. Yeah. Yeah. What I said just now is not true. I think getting a Steelers Patriots matchup is kind of huge for the NFL. You're getting two of your most recognized quarterbacks, two of the the better quarterbacks, I guess, in in football facing off. Even though, again, you know, this Pittsburgh success is kind of run on Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the first time these two teams met, actually, that was LeGarrette Blunt's revenge game. He ran for 127 yards and two touchdowns. It'll be interesting to see what the Patriots plan on doing in this game, if they kind of have a similar similar approach. Um, you know, that game, actually, Rob Gronkowski caught four balls for 93 yards and the touchdown, so obviously not having him may hurt in this game. Do you, do you give the Steelers any chance? Yeah. I give them a puncher. I think, listen, Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Mike Tomlin, like, they're good enough 
even if their all their parts aren't as great as New England's to to have a chance. Yeah, like I don't think it's a coin flip though. I do think New England's like seventy percent chance to win as opposed to like Pittsburgh thirty. What would you guess the spread's going to be in that game, Joe? Um, I'm going to say not too high. I'm going to say six and a half. Oh, that's kind of high still for a championship game. Right, but we're also coming off one that it was 6-17, the New uh, England. Six, I believe it was 16. 16, right? So, and I think most people realize that Pittsburgh isn't as good as, I don't know, I think we, we just assume they always are going to be. So I think six and a half will end up being the spread. Six, six and a half. Why? What do you think? What the spread will be? Uh, the, I would the think spread's it'll probably be a, available right now if we look. Yeah, I think it's a little lower. Probably, it definitely is available. There is no way there isn't. Are you going to look it up? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Okay, well I ramble. Uh, I would guess it's probably going to be closer to four and a half or five and a half. I six, six and a half. Obviously, is just below a touchdown. I think a touchdown's a pretty big number, but it, it would make sense for the Patriots to be that that heavy of favorites in this game. I mean, they were just. Head and shoulders above everybody else in the conference this season. You got a number yet? Um, it's loading. It's a loading. What are you on dial-up? Come on, guy. Uh, Patriots are five point five. All right, like I said, four and a half or five and a half. You were close, Joe. What's Way the over under? Uh, ooh, interesting. I'm gonna guess that that's probably gonna be like a. What does that equal? Uh, like six sixty-five. <laughs> Fifty-one. Oh, I was close. Wow. That's what it opened at, so it can move all over the place by the time next weekend hits. Yeah, they never put numbers as high as, as 65 in a game like this. I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, yeah, a little bit. Now let, let's move over to the other side, the NFC Championship. Again, these two teams met earlier in the season, and the Falcons just edged out the Packers. It was a 33-32 to game. Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers combined to throw seven touchdowns and no picks in that game. Kind of expecting to see a little bit of that again as we, we approach this game, are you, what do you, what are you expecting to see in this game, Joe? You think the the Packers are just riding too high of a wave now to, to come down or do you think the Falcons keep moving? I honestly have no idea. Right. Because like Green Bay has been pretty much on fire for like what the last six, seven, eight weeks. And then Atlanta, like I just never believed in them. Like, so I do, do I just stay firm in that belief and just think, oh, okay, Aaron Rodgers will take care of it. Or do I finally be like, all right, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, they're good. But, man, do either of them play defense? Uh, no, they definitely do not. It, it, it's strange to say. I think the better defensive team at the moment is probably Atlanta. Um, could, you, could, could, that, you, could you name three defenders on Atlanta's team? I definitely could not. I, mean, um, I don't think I can name one. I don't think I could either. Thanks, Joe. I like that you do that. You're welcome. <laughs> We're frauds. We we have no right to be talking about this. What I will say is I think some people probably have the misconception that the Falcons offense was able to to trash a Seattle defense that's good. Seattle's defense has been really banged up and really not that good for the past several weeks. So before you get this notion that this Packers offense is just I mean, I'm sorry, this Falcons offense is just indefensible and there's nothing you can do to stop them. I mean, that might be true, but don't make that a thing because they just beat Seattle. Seattle's defense, again, has just not been what, what you think of when you think about Seattle defense. Especially so, since Earl Thomas has been out. So Correct. Very, very much that. Let's get predictions for these games, Joe. We obviously both like the Patriots. Who are you taking in the NFC Championship? Well, the Patriots, I want to give numbers here. The Patriots are going to win 35-24. to 24. Okay. Yeah. And then Green Bay is going to win 28 
to 31 to 28. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go 31 to 21 in that Patriots uh, Steelers game. And I'm going to take the Packers over the Falcons as well. And I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them, that's going to be high scoring too. I'm going to give that one a, a, a 35 to 28. I like it. All right. Put it good on job, the board. Jared. Sounds good. All right. That, that does it for our football portion of the show. Thank God. Let's focus on, <laughs> can you name one defensive player? Let's no. focus instead. Maybe not even all time. On the Falcons? No, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I can name players. Name a Falcons defensive player all time. Sure. Didn't Robert Mathis play there for a little bit? He did, I think. So did so did Deion Sanders. Yeah. Ever 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 heard of him? Uh, Madden ninety three or two or whatever. He was the bomb. <laughs> Obviously. Oh man. Speaking of Dion, yesterday morning I was watching NFL. Oh no. Network. What did he say? <laughs> he did. I mean, he probably said something terrible. But I I never really watch NFL Network. He got old, man. He's got like a full gray beard. Well, he's got to be like fifty years old, man. He was playing yes, NFL football in like nineteen ninety one. Correct. Breaking news: Deion Sanders got old. We just we don't expect people that we grew up with to ever age. Like both sudden, the, you see the Bo Jackson quotes. No, what did he say? That if oh. he if he knew the dangers of football, he wouldn't have played. Come on, and that's really? Bo Jackson, man. He says he wakes up in pain every day. That's Bo oh, Jackson, sure man. Bo Jackson, yeah. the greatest physical specimen I've ever seen play any sport. He hurts, and that makes me hurt. Yeah. Remember when we were comparing Yasiel Puig to Bo Jackson a week after he came to MLB? Oh, man, what a bad move by us. Yeah, us us being not us, but other people. No, All right, Joe. I, that, I know. Did we, I th- co- for a second, I thought we did. Too? No, I was going to no. say, did we? Did we do it? Because I, I like... don't think we had our podcast yet in 2013. Actually, for what it's worth, we're pretty close to our one-year anniversary, Joe. We started the Monday after Super Bowl last year. Oh, we're going to have to do something, something spectacular. Yeah, you got to take me out to dinner or something. No, I mean for the podcast. Screw us. No, you have to take me out to dinner. All right. All right you drive all the way to Wilkes-Barre. Oh, yeah. I have a Wilkes-Barre later for you. Can't wait. Okay, Joe, let, let's move on because you're on a time crunch because you have to do national radio spots later. No, it's a regional radio spot. Shut up, man. Why do you kill everything that I say? It is the worst. Joe is going to be on uh, ESPN radio later. All right, let's move on. Chopping it up with the guys. <laughs> my favorite hope. part about these radio spots is right so like they don't really they only read my writing which is you know usually more serious in tone so like they're asking me super sportsy stuff and i don't do super sportsy stuff do you yeah. know what i mean i'm the like so they think i'm gonna be this guy who's gonna be like yeah so when emil jefferson's in the post and he does a drop step it's 73 percent chance i'm like yeah, so like if Marty Gennetti was on Duke, that, like that's what I want to do, but that's it's not what they're asking. You're the one that brought up Duke, not me. We will not go further with that. But let, let's stay on basketball. Chip because... Capel is he on the hot seat? <laughs> His college basketball starts at noon today. By the way, amazing! Can't wait. Um, Good slate of games but, early too. Sorry. All right, so there, there, there's basketball we're looking forward to today, and the headline of that has to be your NBA Finals rematch again. These guys are meeting. The Cavaliers travel to Golden State for an 8 o'clock Eastern matchup tonight. Rematch of their Christmas Day game, which the Cavs won. And, uh, yeah, that if you guys remember, that game was pretty nuts. It went down to the wire. Kyrie Irving, again, makes a crazy shot. Will we see that again tonight? I don't know. But, Joe, I kind of wanted to talk to you now that we're at the halfway point of the NBA season. And with the Cavs and the Warriors easily being the two best teams in their conferences Actually, I'm sorry. That's really unfair to Toronto and San Antonio. But Whatever. I don't know how Nobody m- believes in them. I, 
I was going to say, I don't know how many people are really doubting that we're going to see a Warriors-Cavs rematch again in the finals for the third straight year. Only so, Joe, as, he, as these two teams uh, get ready to face off again tonight, who do you think has the edge as championship favorites right now? I haven't changed my position on this. So just think about this sanely. So last year, this goes to Game 7. Offseason happens. Golden State adds Kevin Durant. Cleveland adds Kyle Korver. <laughs> Who do you think I'm picking? Do you know what I mean? Like, it was so close last year in the finals. And one team adds Kevin Durant. And the other team adds Kyle Korver. Right? Right, and, the, and one team also gets back a healthy Steph Curry. Right. So I'm going with Golden State. I, I do think Cleveland will always forever have a punctured chance because LeBron James is, yeah, LeBron James is an unstoppable monster. And Kevin Love has figured out his role to near perfection in that team. And Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is good, though a defensive liability. But, I mean, like, one team had a, a top five NBA player to a roster that had, like, three other dudes in, like, the top 12. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I'm, not even trying, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I, I don't think it's that complicated. I, and, I, like, and do, would I be shocked if Cleveland was to win instead of Golden State? No, because LeBron James is just that great. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and I mean, that, that's kind of been the X factor these last couple of finals. No deli now on Cleveland, man. What are you going to do? No deli. Some people will laugh at you and say, Joe, stop being funny. I am on the side that says Delhi was a real contributor for them, and they miss him a little bit this year. Just, just taking that into consideration, not not Delhi, but looking at the teams from last year to this year. <laughs> Let's break down Delhi's numbers. <laughs> it's bad stats. I mean, the Bucks are a playoff team now. Yeah, uh, with, coincidence? With we think not. <laughs> Yeah, with, with Malcolm Brogdon taking all of Delhi's minutes, by the um, way. Uh, by the way, who had Malcolm Brogdon being good during the draft process? This guy. Yeah, I mean, the guy was a very good player for his duration at Virginia. It's well, the best shocked. part, the shocking thing about Brogdon is he shot really high three-point percentage in college. And people are like, oh, his, his, his jumper's broken. It just It's just ugly looking. It's not broken. Right, yeah. yeah and, he's a great, and he's a really good defensive player. So, like, he really fits uh, that mold of a really good backup point guard in today's NBA. The Malcolm Brogdon podcast. All right, so listen, at this time last year, the Better Warriors Malachi were Malachi Richardson. Ooh, stop also, taking shots at your boy. Whatever. He changed. At this, time, at this time last year, the Warriors were 37-4. and four. They had a better record than they do this year, but their offensive rating, true shooting, assist percentage, and even their turnover percentage are all better this year than last year. So somehow, like, a team that was on pace to set the wins record last year wasn't as good as they are this year. So, I mean, like, taking what you said into account and also looking at the Cavs, so, like, the pieces seem like they fit a little bit better on offense for Cleveland, but their defense has kind of really fallen off significantly. I don't know that that necessarily means they won't be able to turn it up come playoff time, but just looking at where both teams are right now compared to where they were last year at the same time, Golden State seems to have gotten better. And Cleveland, I don't want to say they've gotten worse, but I just don't, I don't know that they're going to have enough to, to be able to beat Golden State in a seven-game series. I don't think Cleveland's gotten worse at all. I think they're their parts actually fit better this year. I think they are, like, listen, I joked about Delhi, and I don't think Delhi's very good, right? Like, I don't. But I do think he was important to what they were doing against Golden State the previous two years. Um, but, yeah, man, like, I don't think it's that complicated. You, like, if, 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 if it was the opposite, if Cleveland got Kevin Durant somehow for a magical reason... We would say this was a no contest, so I don't know why we're doing, like, you know, like, trying to overcomplicate this thing, where... Right, if they were to upgrade their weakest link in their starting five, significantly, like, I mean, I don't know what this, what the 
comparison. Yeah, to, I don't know either. Is I don't Harrison think there Barnes, is. Right, to Harrison Barnes and Kevin Durant. Is that like, you know, going from, from Tristan Thompson to Boogie Cousins? Like, what, I don't what I think it's Tristan. Different? It's probably like, I don't know. It's, for them, it's probably like JR. Because they're, they're kind Cleveland is kind of loaded with good talent. You know what I mean? Tristan right. Thompson does that. So I guess it would be like J.R. Smith to, I don't know. If Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson, yeah, I'll take Clay right. Thompson left. <laughs> like it's, it's that big of an upgrade, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you, and it's just like I mean, I can't wait got, for it. Can we fast forward till June? I wish. I really wish. I, I don't. A lot I, of- I, that's a lie because I actually like watching regular season basketball still, and I need to get catched up because I'm so far behind. Because college basketball is eating so much of my time. Taco yeah, but fall, baby. Stop talking about Taco Fall. This is like when you start binge-watching a show that you know is already over, and you kind of understand what's going to happen at the end, and you're like, but I just want to see this stuff happen. So this is like when I'm watching Breaking Bad, and I'm in like season one and two, and it's like, I just want to see this guy become this mega drug dealer who's going to kill people. Like, I just want to see it. I'm enjoying the ride, but just get me to the point where it gets better. And that's kind of what the NBA season feels like. We know we're going to get this ridiculous NBA Finals and even a playoffs because, I mean— the competition around these teams has gotten a little bit better. Not better to make you think we're not going to see a third straight finals of these two teams, but like, just get me to the finals already. I want to see Kevin Durant in the finals versus LeBron James. I can't wait for Sacramento to be Golden State in the first round of the playoffs. Oh my gosh. How funny so, would that be? <laughs> I think that's a good way to transition into our next topic. Good point. Which I mentioned a little bit earlier that we're going to talk about the Knicks a little bit, but I don't want this to just be a Knicks segment. Obviously, over the weekend, Carmelo Anthony tweeted again or posted on Instagram or did whatever he passive-aggressively does when he's upset that he plays for a loser and all the blame comes on his shoulders because he hasn't been on a winning team. Oh, my years. goodness. Here we go. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm just being factual. This is this is what happens. This is what happened. What, what am I, I, do like, I, do like, I do like how Melo, when he was talking about his solo, goes, you know, that thing I posted on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He, wasn't, he didn't remember what social media tool he used to do this passive-aggressive I mean, thing. It probably all goes to the same places, so it doesn't make a difference. And I don't even know if he's the one posting them. I mean, it sure, they sure seem personal enough that you would think he is. What if it was Lala? What if we find out it's Lala being super passive-aggressive for him? Melo has like, no idea what's going on on Twitter or Instagram. It's like his 10-year-old son. The kid hops on like Twitter. He's like, why are people trashing my dad? My dad's the best. He loves the hate. I'm going to tweet about him loving the hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but, that'd be so great if that were true. It'd be like right. a great sitcom. Put it on the yeah. WB right now. The WB. I believe it's the CW. I what, don't it'll always be the WB to me. Oh, man. Good old WB. They had some good shows. The CW okay. now is exclusive for 22-year-old white actors. You ever watch yeah. the CW now? It's all 22-year-old white people. I don't watch it that much. I'll take your word and I will I try to because they do a lot of science fiction stuff. and I like But it's all trash. It's all, it's all geared toward teenage girls. Ugh. Teenage girls. All I right, miss you, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I the last show I think I watched on that channel was Gossip Girl. So yeah, shout out to me. Um, Gossip Girl. I hear I hear Arrow is really good. I think Arrow is on that channel. I don't I don't know. Me. All right, this this is fun. So back Stephen back Emil. To, That's the actor's name. I don't know why I knew that. <laughs> the actor from what? Arrow. Oh, interesting. I don't. I, I can name more actors in Arrow, a show I've never seen, than I can name Defenders. I mean, <laughs> awesome! And you're the one complaining about it. it's all twenty-two-year-old white people. <laughs> all right, Joe. So, oh, so we're getting we're getting into this thing 
where we're talking about how the finals seem to be, you know, etched in stone and how there isn't a team around either Cleveland or Golden State that's going to really challenge them. Meanwhile, we have a couple of players who are clearly unhappy in their situations who could feasibly be traded to contenders and make those contenders more contender-ish because obviously there are only two contenders in the NBA right now. So teams on the outside, maybe it's not fair to even call them contenders. I don't know. I don't make the rules. Will any teams just on the outside, do you think, try and make a push now that Carmelo seems unhappy? Or even if it's not Carmelo, maybe Paul George or Boogie Cousins? Or is this even something that like we're not talking about because Melo's not going to waive his no-trade clause no matter what? Or you know the Pacers aren't going to give up on Paul George, similar to Sacramento not willing to give up on Boogie. And also, you know, Atlanta, who had Paul Millsap on the, the trade block for like three days and then said, nah, forget it, we're not trading him. What do you think, Joe? Anybody going to make a trade to get one well, of these big guys? Well, the Mellow thing in that Isola piece yesterday basically said he had no idea that was a thing that people wanted him to, tr- to waive the no-trade co- contract. And Okay. He, well, I, listen, he doesn't want to go anywhere. People have to get that through their heads, right? So Mellow's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He's never wanted to go, whatever. Um, I think if you're Sacramento, you got to ride this thing out and try to make the playoffs. You haven't been there since Vladi Divac was a player. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then, uh, and then if I'm the Pacers, unless somebody's giving you a ton, like a ton, I say you just stick it out with Paul George because you don't get a top, top superstar like that every day on your roster, no matter what you get in return. So you'd have to get like a ton. And I think when the people with the assets like Boston or Philly, um, Boston shouldn't. They, I mean, I, they might, but I don't think they should trade any of their picks because, as I say every week on the podcast. The draft is so loaded that they fill so many holes through the draft and not have to spend that much money. It's kind of the same deal with the Sixers. So I don't think anybody actually makes a move. Boston's also just in such a unique and kind of weird situation where it's like they've competed as hard as they have. I don't want to say because there aren't other good teams around them, but like you look at this team and it's not like a, yeah, they're one piece away from beating Cleveland. No, they're like, right. They're like three pieces away from beating Cleveland, even though they're very good and they're very good in their conference. They're, they're overachieving just, because right, Brad Stevens is a really good coach. Isaiah Thomas, he he unlocked something in Isaiah Thomas, which is people hate the comparisons, but it's very Allen Iverson-ish, except Isaiah Thomas this year has been better. I know I'm going to get killed for that, but he has been. He has been through and through. Allen Iverson's championship year, not only is as Isaiah Thomas scoring in less minutes, his efficiency numbers are dwarfing AIs. But um, uh, and I know the only comparison is because they're both ball and he- heavy small guards. I get that, but uh, like they could get like two guards or a guard and a forward in this draft because of those assets they have, where they could just be like, oh, we just made major. As long as they don't draft another Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown clone of guy who can't score, thing, get Malik Monk or Lonzo Ball or whoever, and help open up your offense, and I think you become measurably better. Maybe not next year, but the year after. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I love talking about Boston's assets because everybody's like, trade this for that. I'm like, no, just stay still because it's going to work out better because your roster is actually not good. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, they're they're winning now, and they're they're just they're winning because they, they. I wouldn't say the roster is not good. It's not like championship level good. They're not. They're not one of these teams that has like all these all star guys on it that like you know they're. 
They're just they're a break away from a championship. They they still like they're not as good as Toronto. They're not as good as Cleveland. They're they're right not there. Even close. They're right, no. they're right after that. Yeah, they're, they're right after that, that, but they're not close to being good as those two teams. Do you know what right. I mean? They're not, and they're not like a year or two away from gelling with this core, from being as good as those teams. They're good, you know. They're good, and like a previous era, they'd be one of these teams who'd be like a bottom half playoff team who you'd have to watch out for. Maybe they could pull an upset, but you know that they're not really going to make noise in the playoffs. It's just it's not going to happen for this team the way they're currently constructed, and they're not they're not a mellow away from being that team, or even a Boogie or a Paul George they're, or, a or Jimmy Butler. They're not a guy away from being anything. You know what right. I mean? Yep. I mean, listen, if, if they could get one of those guys and they, they still do have picks moving forward, if they can get one of those guys for a Crowder and a Bradley and not have to give up that draft pick, by all means, do it. And by those guys, not Mello, because Mello's obviously aging and towards the end of, you know, whatever good days he has left in his career. But if you can get Jimmy Butler, I mean, Jimmy Butler's a top 10 player in the NBA. You get you get top 10 players if you can, but especially if you don't have to give up that first round pick. But Chicago would never do it without that without that Brooklyn pick. Right, so so that's the interesting point. Is like our teams going to teams like Boston? Let's just talk about Boston right now. Is Boston going to give up that pick to get a guy to to get them that much closer? You know, to losing to Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't which, think I don't think they should. Right, I, I I agree with you. So that that's kind of why I think it's interesting to bring Boston up in these conversations. Now you look at Toronto, who's you know in kind of a better place in terms of having you know a team that's ready to compete now, next year, over the next <laughs> few years. And they do have some young pieces that they could move without necessarily having to give up a draft pick. Even if they were to give up a draft pick, I mean, it's not like they're giving up a top 5'10 lottery pick to, to get one of these guys to, to put them a little bit closer. I, I think the real reason I'm bringing this up, though, is do, do you think Melo's – like, I know you said there's no way he's waiving his no-trade clause. Do you think he's any closer to considering it? I'm sure he's considered it, uh, especially post-Rose fiasco, but – I, I know I've talked about this before, and you kind of disagreed with me. Well, you do disagree. I do think he feels obligated at this point to stay and see things through, even if it turns out horribly. Because if he leaves, as much as everybody says he want, they want him to waive that no trade clause, he's going to get murdered for leaving a bad team. Yeah, but like I mean, can't can't that just be healed if he goes to a team that's you know a lock to make it to a conference finals with him? You're 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 a logical human being. I'm talking about. Nick right. crazy. We're gonna say thanks no. a lot for leaving us with broken Derrick Rose, broken Yokim Noah, broken this, broken that. Thanks a lot, Carmel. Way to leave when things turn sour. But here's the thing: he's already getting killed. You know what I mean? He's well, already he's getting killed, killed anyway. And I think he's right. made it pretty. I think he's made it pretty abundantly clear he wants to go nowhere. I agree. I agree that he has. And really, this is like the first day I woke up today, or probably yesterday. Thinking, wow, maybe maybe he maybe now he kind of wants to leave. Maybe now he's kind of over it. Maybe now he's realizing it's not going to happen for him here. And like I've said to this point, the writing's been on the wall. It's been very clear for him that he's not going to win in New York and that they're just not in a position to put a contending team around him. I mean, if they were, they would have done it by now. And they're only getting further and further away from doing it with him as as their best player. He might leave and because like, of Phil Jackson, not not because of the players. Because well, Jackson, yeah, I mean, because there's a huge rift there. Feasibly, I, I don't necessarily know that there is or isn't. I, I don't know. I well, guess. I saw a report yesterday that uh, Mello kind of went bonkers. Charlie Rosen, who writes for us, uh, um, <laughs> Mello took it as Rosen being fed Phil Jackson comments because Rosen wrote that clearly 
the Knicks need to move on from Melo. Melo is the one player in that team that has no future or something like that. Whatever. Some kind of hot take hogwash. And but Mello, that may not have been fed to him from Phil. Right, but Melo you know? took it that way. And but Mello, do you think Carmelo's reading fanragsports.com? No, I think I saw it brought it to his attention. And I'm sure... I mean, like, listen. If I'm Melo, I probably feel... Because one, Phil Jackson is just never there. And he probably just feels super disrespected. And I get it. So maybe that's your... your all right, I'll wait my no-trade class. Get me the heck out of here, but at least put me on some somebody. He's, he could be picky because of the no-trade class of where he Correct. goes. Correct. So maybe he wants to go somewhere. I just don't know who's going to want to take him and give up enough assets where New York's like, okay, let's do this. And that, that's why I kind of brought this up the way I did as, well, any teams that are you know just on the outside of contending for a championship now make a push for Melo because they know he's frustrated and they know this is probably their best opportunity to get him. And you say you're one piece away. Say you need that score. You need that guy who's going to help stretch the court on offense for you. You know, Matt Mello could be that guy if you have the right assets to give up for him. So you have him going to the Seattle Supersonics. Correct. He'd be great next to Sean Kemp. I don't, I don't, again. I don't know. Eating up Detlef Shrimp's minutes, I don't know if I love it. Well, him and Detlef play together. Oh, okay. We're going small ball. Kemp at the five. Obviously. Sean Kemp is a small ball five in today's NBA. I don't care what anybody says. Um, that left would be a very good stretch for stretch four. He'd be he'd be great. That oh my god! If this was like then, people would be like, "Yeah, that left is better than Carmelo." I don't care what you say. <laughs> they would be um, saying that though. Yeah, oh, because why, he, why that, well, there's go? there's more reasons than that than just because that left could shoot a little bit and play yeah. the four. All right, so just just to wrap this up, what are we talking about again? Yeah, Mello, Mello being traded. Oh. To wrap this up, I still think Mello obviously values being in New York more than anything else, and that's why he decided to re-sign in New York. He's been frustrated for years. You know, I, I think the, the one factor that's different here is he's realizing that he's aging and that it's getting harder for him on a nightly basis. And if he wants to win, this, is this like right now, is his last opportunity to go somewhere else. Um, I don't think he will. Nice! Thanks. All right, Joe, let's do absurd questions and wrap up our show. Absurd questions. <laughs> you go first. All right. You ready, Jared? I'm ready. How much, if I was to offer, what's the, the the least amount of dollar amount I can offer you to be intimate with a man? Oh, my God. Really? What the hell, man? My, my absurd question was going to be something similar, <laughs> and then I said to myself, that's a we shouldn't do that that's a bad look we shouldn't be treating this oh man i, I don't know why is it a bad look i'm just asking you a question how much money you you'd be into so so i'm watching you're straight wire. i am so i'm watching the wire last night and i got my absurd question from the wire and i changed it this morning and the two of the detectives are talking and one of them says to the other all right you can have any celebrity you want but you have to sleep with a man to do it Who's the celebrity and who's the man? And I was going to ask you those Whoa, two questions. It's that, a good absurd question. That is a good one. I know, but I don't think we should be having those conversations on the show. Um, I don't know, man. See, I feel like zero because you know there's a amount of dollars you do it for. Yeah, certainly. And I'm not like you know, it's not the type of thing that like obviously it's not something I want to do. So I I don't know how much money it would take. How much money would it take for you? Um, I like to say a lot, but I'd probably be a lot cheaper than than, than I probably even realize. Um, he's like, I mean, listen, a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. Yeah, I'm thinking lower than that, just because like ten thousand dollars is a lot of money. <laughs> ten thousand dollars is a lot. Don't get me out of debt, man. So, yeah, kind of. I'm saying, I, I think I'd have. And to who start, knows? Like, I never tried it. Maybe I'll like it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'd have to start somewhere in like it, it'd have to be five figures. Okay, I'll say that five. Not figures. Say you, you just five figures. It would have to be five figures. It'd have to be. At, I don't know, man. At I guarantee you, if you, like, if you went for like, say, you went outside to get orange juice from the store for some reason, and somebody walked over to you and be like, "Hey, me and you in my car, three minutes, I'll give you eighty grand." Oh, easily. Yeah. So it's not. You know, like, I mean. So, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. We're cheap. I'm thinking probably, like, at least 25000 That's what I'm thinking. All right, tax-free twenty five. Yeah, I think, I, I think I, I'm with you there. Yeah, I might go lower than that even, but just, <laughs> I'm going to say 25000 All right, so I cleaned up my question a lot for you, Joe. Sure. If you had to, if you had to compare yourself to any dessert, what would it be? <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, I guess the banana Sunday. Whoa! Oh, there he is. Get it? Is that is that your answer? Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, a banana Sunday. It's called a banana split. You jerk. <laughs> it could be whatever I want to call it. Um, man, this seems really complicated. Uh, also, uh, it's two part. What's your favorite dessert? All right, my favorite dessert is pumpkin pie. What an awful take. Continue. Okay. Whatever. It's my. You're allowed, taste you're allowed your opinion. It's it's actually pumpkin ice cream pie, but um, I guess I will be my uh, pudding because I'm kind of sloppy, but I still taste good. That's <laughs> decent. I was like, I was thinking about this question too. I was like, how do I get deep with this question? It's kind of difficult. Deep or good... funny? You can only go either one way with them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking like a Napoleon because like there's layers of me. Every <laughs> layer is good. But then like, why don't I just say like seven layer cake or something? Also, the layers thing wasn't meant to be a fat joke, but I guess it kind of is. No, no, I didn't take it as a fat joke. I took it as like you're a deep, complicated human being. Yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. You peel, oh, but but Napoleons are also like uh, flaky. You know what I mean? So maybe Napoleon isn't great. Maybe like a seven layer cake. A seven layer cake. Mm. I don't really know how to answer that question. I just wanted to see you scramble and think of something. Pudding, pudding's about what I was expecting. Either pudding or a chocolate fudge brownie is what I was expecting from you. Wait, what? What, what was your thing? A brownie, either pudding or a brownie, Joe. Oh, so you knew the pudding was coming. I had a feeling. I had a feeling you you're you're pudding. What can I say? Nah. All right, good stuff, Joe. Before we head off, I just want to wish you luck on your national radio spot today. <laughs> Be great. Talk about Emil Jefferson's uh, whatever you said. They miss him. They miss him bad. They miss a lot of things. Let's, like here's the deal: they don't have depth. Yeah. Right yeah, now, they, I, they, they don't have depth, and they, they never have depth. I really just think not having one good front court player hurts. Oh, no, totally. That's totally reasonable. They also don't have depth, which I know it seems shot. No team in college basketball has real depth, but they really only, like, they play eight guys, but the rotation is really only seven. So, um, yeah. Joe, can I sub you in for Chase Jeter? I think you'd be a better front court player than Chase Jeter is. Um, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm Here's the other thing, too. Oh, they, here we go. They're losing to good teams. Okay, the Virginia Tech loss is, like, kind of inexcusable to lose that bad at least. But, like, losing to Florida State and then losing to Louisville both on the road. Like, Florida State's on, legit good. Louisville's legit good. No, you're you're right. They're also still, like, those fresh, some of the, like, Henry Giles and them guys, they literally just, oh. came, they just came back. So, like, it's going to take time to gel. Like, just worry about making it to March, and that's all Duke should be focused on. I couldn't agree more. I am interested to see how far down they fall in rankings today. 
But um, yeah, I'm I'm not that concerned with them. What, what I am concerned with legit though is that Harry Giles doesn't look better, and I know it's going to take him a little bit of time to figure it out. But defensively, he doesn't seem to offer much. He's at been all. injured a lot through his young career. I think his explosiveness might be gone. Not something recoverable. I'm I'm not trying to be hot takey, dude. But like everybody that has him in their lottery and their mock draft might want to take him out. If you had to compare him to another prospect you've seen before, who would it be? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't. I'd have to think on this. I'm, not- I'm watching him and thinking: Are we seeing Cliff Alexander again? Without the explosiveness. Well, that's the problem, right? That that's the big right. issue here because there's no explosiveness, that's, and, and that was supposed to be his deal. His deal, and I don't know if he could ever get that back. I think because he was injured in high school as well. So I yeah. think I think he's man. He's in a he's he's going to end up having to play another year at Duke. I think. Yeah, it might work out that way. Because if he comes out, he may not be a first-round pick. I know, yeah. And every, people are going to go to the mic drafts now and see him there. If he continues down this path, by the end of the year, he's not going to be a first-rounder. Yep, I'm with you. All right, Joe. I'm but the problem, go. For him, the problem for him, though, is, right, um, if he's actually hurt and not being able to recover, he should take the risk regardless and go after this year because he's only going to continue to hurt his draft stock. Right, right. If, it's only going to get worse. Yeah, if his explosiveness, explosiveness is not recoverable. I agree. I with feel you, bad friend. for him, man. This is why kids should be able to go straight to the pros. I don't disagree. All right, Joe. Good stuff. We have more college basketball Tackle to talk off. about <laughs> in the coming weeks, and it's going to make you happy. Uh, just signing off. I am Jared. You can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> He's at Jared. Catch my basketball writing at fanragsports.com. Joe, tell the good people where they can find you. At the Twitters, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E, at FanRags, FanRags Sports. Terrible. Yeah. And, real quick, documentary coming out about Wilkesburg. Vote the world's, the country's unhappiest place. Per capita, we have the most heroin deaths in the country, and we're like top five in homicides. Wilkesburg, let's be better. Wow, get it together, Wilkesburg. Not yeah, great. Man. Are you in the documentary? No, no. Uh, this was brought to my attention during a thing, and uh, I had I knew heroin was an issue in our area, Luzerne County, which is part of Wilkes-Barre, which is the county Wilkes-Barre is in. I knew it was an issue. Um, I had no idea the per capita thing were the worst in the country. Right. Jeez. This guy, right, it's really right. sad, man. Yeah, it's not. not <laughs> well, I'm happy laughing, but I'm, I'm only laughing because it's sad. I, I'm. I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I hear you. Serious stuff, guys. All right. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really know how you end the show like that. Cool. Good, good, good things to talk about. All right, guys. We'll see you Friday. All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait. Worn out hot takes, bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking, no one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers, not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow, no tomorrow, and I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very 
mad world. Mad world.